Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Hi, everyone. A quick update. I have deactivated my Twitter accounts for a variety of reasons. Mainly, it has to do with the fact that while I was hoping we would see actual freedom of speech there since Elon Musk took over, turns out that it's not really the case. On one hand, Elon Musk says and gives lip service to the fact that uh, he likes to support the 1A, freedom of speech. But on the other hand, he brags about reduced incidents of hate speech, quote-unquote. Now, I've repeatedly asked both him and the overlords at Twitter what their definition of hate speech is and what it includes, but have not to date received a reply, ever. Now, maybe due to the fact that I was still being shadow banned, something Jack Dorsey, the previous owner of Twitter, told Congress Twitter does not practice, which turns out to be a complete lie. Conservatives and authentic Christians are often shadow banned on Twitter, as well as other social media outlets, largely because most of those social media outlets are owned and operated by devout leftists who simply want to push their narrative and agenda, and that is often done by silencing any and all opposing voices and uh, in one form or another. So you won't find me there any longer. I know there are plenty of folks who actually can go on Twitter and post a few things and then leave, I had gotten to a point where I could stay away from Twitter for days, but I also noticed that when I did go back there, I would quickly get plunged into the vapid and endless debates that serve no purpose and never have a clear winner. It's simply best for me not to be there at all. However, I do have a presence on Substack, and you can find that by clicking the link in the transcript. Now, so far, I've only placed this particular article up there, um, and I'm still learning the ropes over there. I know a good many folks have, for instance, a paywall over there at Substack, meaning you can't read their material without paying. I personally can't imagine doing that, so if you do subscribe, you won't ever have to worry about that. For now, I'm probably going to place articles that I publish at studygrownoblog.com over there, but eventually I'd like to offer short articles on a variety of subjects, but we'll just see how things go. Well, at any rate, let's move on to the subject of this particular article. In life, there are many avenues for blessing, as I'm sure you'd agree, whether it's family, friends, a good meal, enjoying your kids or grandkids, or simply getting back to God's wonderful creation via camping or hiking or something else. There are many things that provide blessing to us in spite of the fact that this world is sin-cursed and it is getting worse. Now, one of the things I personally view as a tremendous blessing, besides the things I've already mentioned, are the animals God created for humanity to enjoy and benefit from. In fact, the blessing is in understanding that animals, including pets especially, can provide great blessing to us. However, God expects us to deal with animals in a humane and caring way, even those animals raised for food. Proverbs 12.10 says this, Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. And that's the title of today's audio. 
Now, this applies to herds, flocks, and other beasts of burden, as well as the pets we have in our homes. The above text that I just read from Proverbs is really straightforward. You don't have to be a genius to figure out what that says. You don't have to parse anything. You don't have to deeply search things out. Of course, you can and get more of a background on those things. But the text itself is straightforward. The righteous has or should have concern for their animals and nature itself. For instance, recycling is good, but worshiping the earth or Gaia is not. Believing in the lies of climate change serves no purpose but to serve the globalists who want to dominate and remove our freedoms. It's actually a lie that people believe. Do we actually believe that additional carbon is going to destroy the earth? Without carbon, the earth ceases to have life. But consider the unrighteous or the wicked. They have no concern for the welfare of animals or other humans, for that matter. We're all in the same category as far as they're concerned. Animals to the wicked are simply to be used, abused, and killed for their own gain in some way. The righteous, however, treat animals with kindness, or they should, even the ones they raise for food, whether chicken, cows, pigs, or whatever it is they raise on small farms or large farms. Now, I frequently drive through country areas where people live on dirt roads surrounded by plenty of land. Some of them have horses, cows, dogs, and other animals. What bothers me is when I see two extremes where dogs are concerned. Either the dog is kept perpetually on a very short chain, ostensibly because the yard isn't fenced in, or the dog is simply left to roam wherever it wants to roam. Also, because the yard is not fenced in. Now, I've learned when driving in the country to be just as prepared for a stray dog to wander into the road and directly into the path of my driving, just as I am always watching for deer to do the same. So because I tend to drive the same roads to get to stores, I pass the same homes. Repeatedly, I see a dog chained or in a very small dog run with a doghouse. There the dog sits, unable to go beyond the prison he's imprisoned in. I never see any person interacting with any of these dogs uh, as often as I drive by their homes. It's gotten to the point where I have to force myself to not look because my heart simply goes out to these animals who are neither fully accepted into that family or they're neglected altogether except for food and water. I, I just... Honestly, I just don't get it. Now, if people have dogs at home, they usually do so for or because they might want the dog to add it to the family. They also might want a dog for security around their homes. However, just any dog doesn't necessarily work for security unless, of course, they're thinking, well, it'll bark and alert them to danger. Well, as for me, the pets we have are part of the family. They're invited in and made to feel welcome. We also have our dog professionally trained because that makes for a more well-rounded, secure, happier dog. I've long believed that God blessed humanity with dogs specifically, and sometimes I truly think we really don't deserve them. Now, a situation arose not long ago where I saw a small dog, a puppy, in fact, walking with only three legs. He had all four, but he was putting no weight on his front right leg at all. 
I happened to know the family and saw the young boy out, so I pulled over and asked what had happened to the dog. Well, the boy said that the puppy was out front of their house on the dirt road and was chasing cars when his front leg was run over. Certainly, it could have been a lot worse. Well, then I asked him what the veterinarian had said, and he said they hadn't taken him in because they didn't have the money. And the boy also told me that someone had dropped the dog off, the puppy off in front of their home, and the boy's dad didn't want to keep the dog at all. It was another mouth to feed. Well, I talked with my wife about the possibility of taking the dog into our home, at least temporarily, but the more we thought about it, the more concerned we became that our adult dog, Buster, would have difficulty accepting the puppy since he was four years old and established in his routine. But since the puppy was hurt, we wanted to help. So I asked the dad if he minded if I took the pup to a vet. He said that was fine as long as it didn't cost him anything. Well, I agreed and took the pup. After the examination, the vet found that there was nothing broken. Nothing showed up on the x-rays. There was soft tissue damage and a bone chip that may or may not have resulted from his leg being run over. Well, they put the dog on Deramax pain reliever and then also added gabapentin. And the vet said that the puppy was about five months old and he weighed about 30 pounds then. Well, we took him home for healing and recuperation, realizing that our dog might have a problem. Well, interestingly enough, it was the puppy that started growling at our dog. And I'm sure he did that out of fear of unknown. Well, the vet also said that the pup might eventually need surgery to correct the problem in his leg. There are also a few other options like therapeutic cold laser therapy that might help alleviate pain and inflammation, but wouldn't do anything about the bone chip. We're planning on taking the pup for a few laser therapy sessions. Well, at any rate, after a few days, we noticed that our adult dog and the puppy were getting along well. In fact, a little bit too well because they wanted to play all the time. And this occasionally caused the pup to land on his bad leg wrong. And then he cried in pain as if someone was beating him. Now, puppies tend to be overly dramatic anyway, but he was in pain. And our older dog was beside himself wondering what was going on. So we had to come for both of them. So by this time, I realized we couldn't put the dog back with that family where the dad clearly did not want the dog. And I had also learned in the interim that the puppy lived outside under the carport and behind the barn. And winter is here. I have no idea how much interaction he had with people or other animals or the quality of his food and general care. But since we brought him home, he ate what our dog ate, which is fairly expensive, higher quality food. Um, in the long run, we feel like it, it solves problems before they can occur. We refuse to give our animals garbage food, which is the same as people eating junk food all the time. And I don't eat that stuff anymore, and we don't feed it to our grandchildren either. So why should I give that to our animals? Makes no sense. We're asking for health problems that need to be treated and visits to the vet. Junk food may taste good, but in the end, it simply creates health problems that require attention and or shorten lives. Why would I want that for any animal we own? So I talked to the dad and simply asked him if he wanted to surrender the, surrender the dog to me and either we would adopt him or find a home for him. He was absolutely fine with that. So we've had the dog at our home since. Now, interestingly enough, our daughter 
her family and their dog visited us over Thanksgiving. We were concerned about the reaction of their dog, a purebred border collie. Well, our fears were once again unfounded because the only growling heard when we introduced the two was from the puppy. The pup was in his crate at the time, but then we thought, look, why not let him out and all the dogs go outside and play and see what happens. When we let all the dogs outside in our fenced yard, they all started playing and it was really great to see. Now, in fact, the Border Collie was having a ball. And that was the final test, really. So now the pup, Scooby-Doo, that was the name given by the boy, is part of our family. And we will take care of him to the best of our ability so that he thrives for as long as he lives. It was also interesting to see Scooby's reaction to our daughter's husband. Each time he wanted to pet the puppy, the pup would walk away clearly nervous. And at one point, uh, he tried to nip our son-in-law's hand as he reached out slowly to pet Scooby. No idea why he did this, uh, since our son-in-law is a great guy who has owned and loved dogs all of his life. He figured it must have something to do with the way another man who may have looked similar to our son-in-law treated him then. Certainly is possible. Now, if I'm if I'm right next to Scooby, he will allow my son-in-law to pet him as he, Scooby, leans against me. And the good news is that by the end of their stay, Scooby had relaxed a bit where our son-in-law was concerned. He was more accepting of him. Well, this brings up another part of Proverbs 12.10. Evil people use animals for their own selfish gain. They mistreat them. They abuse them. They take advantage of them because they have power over them. Dr. Anthony Fauci's organization provided funding for experiments using live beagle dogs. They placed the dog's head inside a type of tented container and placed flesh-eating fleas on the dog's head. I'm not sure why they did that. I mean, I could have saved them the trouble and told them what would have happened. Well, they went one step further by severing the dog's vocal cords so that the dogs could not whimper or yelp in pain. This kept them from disturbing the scientists who were running the experiment. Forgive me for saying this, but I would like to say the same thing happened to those scientists. But of course, God will deal with it in his way and in his time. There are many, many examples of the atrocious way evil, pe evil people treat animals. And it's not good for me to dwell on those things or even think about them because it simply produces an anger in me that has no outlet. It's not a good thing. I cannot do anything about it except pray or in the case of Scooby, try to step in and offer solutions that work for that family and for the dog. Obviously, I can't take every dog into our home well, we've just had Scooby neutered and we will ensure that he gets quality medical care when he needs it. The simple act of neutering or spaying dogs and cats means fewer animals that are mistreated or are left to roam and live on their own. Now, I realize people here, and it's not just here in the South, it's all over, but in many cases, they're very poor, so they cannot pay for neutering or spaying. Many of them really can't afford to have and keep a dog in the first place, but they do. And because of their situation, the dog often suffers. The bottom line is that the righteous person, the one who is authentically saved, will, or at least should want to, always treat animals as we are to treat people. God loves his creation, all of it, including animals. 
Just read the book of Job to learn how much those animals love God. For people who do not care about animals at all, they are probably the same people who promote abortion on demand, even up to birth. They care nothing for God's creation. And that attitude that they have is purely satanic because that's the way Satan thinks. We should take the time to do what we can to ensure the quality of life for people, for animals, and of course for the unborn. Obviously, we cannot save everyone, but as situations cross our path, maybe we can do something. I personally believe God rewards those who love his creation and want to do what they can to help animals, unborn, and people in general. Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and I do thank you for joining me today. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 